Hello and welcome to What's the Point, 538's podcast about data and our lives. I'm Chad Matlin, an editor at 538 and not Jody Avergan. Jody sends his regards, but he is on jury duty, and so I'm excited to be subbing in for him in his place. This week at 538, it is Gut Science Week, an exploration of what we know about the gut, what we put into it, and what comes out of it. Today's What's the Point is going to be part of Gut Science Week. We're going to be concentrating on probiotics and something called psychobiotics, two types of bacteria that promise to change how healthy we feel. But it's not yet clear that they're really having any effect. Kitty Hobson and Christy Ashwanden, two writers for 538, will join us to explain how much you should trust the marketing around probiotics and whether psychobiotics will someday help take the edge off of your and my anxiety. There are somewhere between 10 trillion and 100 trillion microorganisms roiling around your gut. More microbes than there are cells in your entire body. And here we are trying to cram even more stuff in there on purpose. Probiotics are all the rage showing up in commercials on GNC shelves and in fancy artisanal soft drinks at my local food co-op in Brooklyn. They promise to make us feel better, but can they really? Here to talk about that is Katie Hobson, a contributing writer at 538. Katie, hello. Hi there. And also with us is Christy Ashwanden, who wrote a piece not about probiotics, but about psychobiotics, bacteria that is supposed to make us feel better psychologically, not just our guts feel better physically. Christy, welcome back. What's the point? Thanks. All right. So let's let's start, I think, with, with, the, with the top. Uh, Christy, can you give us a rundown of, of the human microbiome as a whole? Sure. So uh, at this very moment, you have uh, swimming around in your guts, uh, something like 10 to 100 trillion microbes. And these are microorganisms that um, have arrived various methods. Some of them come from the foods you eat. Um, some of them are acquired uh, during the birth process, actually. Um, researchers have found differences in gut microbes from people who were born uh, via vaginal births versus C-sections. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, we are never alone. We have these microbes living inside of us. And these microbes are doing what exactly? What, what's, the, what's the purpose of this? Well, that's the million dollar question. I don't, I don't think we have definitive answers to that yet. Um, you know, there's sort of what, what is any, you're sort of getting into deep philosophy there, there, Chad. <laughs> what are any of us doing here? What are our purposes? Um, that, that, yeah, uh, so you can get ex existential about it, um, but really, I, I think your question is, what are they doing? You know, that affect us and that affect our health, and that's something we're still exploring. Um, it's kind of new, knowing that these are even here affecting our health and our our bodies, and we're not exactly sure what what they're doing yet. There's a, a lot of ideas, a lot of research, um, but in terms of definitive answers, it's it's still early days. Okay, so let's talk about probiotics, which are which is bacteria that we're putting in on purpose, Katie, right? Yes, they're bacteria that we're putting in on purpose and we're putting them in because we suspect or have some kind of evidence that if you put enough of these particular organisms in us, that they provide us some kind of health benefit. That's kind of the official definition. And where did that idea come from? So a gentleman named Ilya Mechnikov, uh, way back in the 1800s, came up with this idea. Um, he, he thought that maybe the, the friendly bugs in yogurt 
um, which they already knew to exist then, might help um, improve kind of the neighborhood of your gut. He did not have a very high opinion of what was naturally occurring in your gut, what was there already. I think he called the colon a vestigial cesspool. Um, so he thought maybe you could perk that up a little by putting some of these um, microbes in there. He actually went on to win a Nobel Prize, but not for his microbiome theories. Okay, and so I, I guess what I'm what I'm still struggling to understand is if I if I take a probiotic supplement or if I eat a yogurt with, with probiotic characteristics, is the bacteria in that probiotic already in my microbiome, and I'm just adding more of it, or is it a totally new strain that I'm that I'm adding in? Sometimes it's already there. I mean, I think first of it's important to say that people's microbiomes differ again according to, as Christy said, by you know birth, where they live, what they eat, probably factors that we haven't even thought of yet. But yes, the things that we think of as probiotics, um, a lot of them are already there. um, And some of them are in food, you know, like bacteria from the bacillus family or genus, I should say. Um, So this group of bacteria and, and other substances is kind of known to be beneficial and safe um, either because it's already there or because it's we ingest it in foods um, with no apparent ill effects and, and sometimes associations with good health as with yogurt. Got it. And Christy, do, have you found that probiotics are as prevalent in your neck of the woods as they are in mine? It seems like I'm seeing them everywhere. Uh, does it feel like we're in a probiotic moment to you too? It sure does. I mean, they're everywhere. If you go into any sort of health food store, you know, there's a lot of marketing around these as Katie has written in her story. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting to, to note that, um, you know, according to kind of the official group that supervises and medicalizes such things, I'm searching for the name here. Oh, the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics. They really limit the term probiotics to the specific types of microbes that have been shown in controlled trials to benefit health. So while it's true in a general sense that your kombucha um, might be probiotic, considered a probiotic because it has, you know, bacteria floating around in it, um, according to this group, they're talking about probiotics as a specific strain you can name, you can test, um, and you can show that it has some beneficial health effects, which from my reading on kombucha, uh, it does not exist for kombucha. So I think you have to be careful in terms of looking at kind of naturally occurring things that we may not have categorized or characterized very well, and then kind of separating out specific strains and putting them back in with the hope of getting some benefit. piece, you write that probiotics have been studied for a host of ailments, including digestive problems, allergic disorders, obesity, dental problems, the common cold, high cholesterol, and gestational diabetes. But have they been proven to work for all those things or any of those things? Well, let me just um, let me just first preface that by saying that, you know, in order to study these things to see if they work, they really do require pretty rigorous controlled trials, which are expensive. And it's unclear whether you'd be able to kind of get a patent or any kind of protection on these. So the supplement makers that make them 
they are allowed to sell them. So there's re- already under current regulations. So there's really no huge incentive to conduct these very, very costly trials that would be required to actually make such a, a claim, you know, by the FDA. But that said, yes, they have been studied for a bunch of things, um, mostly, you know, in small, in small studies with some exceptions. And, there's limited evidence that they work for most things at the moment. And I don't want to say outright that, that it's, it's BS because unlike something like, uh, you know, say vitamin supplements to prevent prostate cancer, which have been studied in big funded clinical trials, we don't really have an answer yet. The science is just not quite progressed. With something like vitamins, you know, there's enough research to kind of say, yeah, this doesn't work, or yes, this might work, or this does work. With uh, probiotics, um, my take on it, at least, is that there's a lot of interesting science, but we don't understand so many things that it's really difficult to say outright what works and what doesn't. But there is some evidence in some things that they may have some potential. So if I see something that says, uh, this is guaranteed to help my digestion, or guaranteed to you know prevent any any future ailments uh, i should be skeptical but maybe not totally dismissive yeah i mean the things that i found in the evidence or in the research that do actually show signs of working were in the the digestive realm you know in terms of kind of digestive conditions and diseases which would you know make sense since it's gut bacteria in the gut and when you talk about you know helps digestion like well what does that mean i mean the 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 marketing claims on these things in your you know, GNC are limited because of FDA rules. So unless you want to do one of those expensive trials to find out if this, you know, helps some disease or specific condition, you know, colitis, um, you can only use very generic terms like supports digestive health. And, you know, what does that mean? I mean, I guess you could stay, you know, you could say, well, does it kind of keep the trains running on time? Or does it, you know, help me if I have diarrhea? But in general, those kind of vague health claims are not really meaningful because, you know, no one really knows what they mean. Yeah, I want to get back to the, the way that it's marketed in a bit. But first, Christy, I want to bring you in to talk about psychobiotics, since it seems to me, at least as a layman from the outside, that that if, if probiotics aren't working, then psychobiotics, which seems uh, like there's an even further distance for the bacteria to travel to affect things, if you will, um, that in that it has to affect our psychology and our, and our mind in some ways, um, that that would, you would be even, even less likely to be something that was um, effective. And yet, um, in your writing, you, you suggest that maybe there is some relationship. There's some very good evidence uh, in mice. I mean, these things work brilliantly in mice. There's some very fascinating um, experiments where they actually took gut microbes from one strain of mice and transplanted them into another. And what happened was the recipients of the the gut bacteria adopted the behavioral traits of the donor. So if you take gut microbes from very shy sort of uh, uh, fearful mice and put them into um, other mice, they will become, you know, they will adopt those traits. And if you if you were to take gut microbes from a mouse that was more adventurous, uh, less anxious, and put it into that anxious mouse, you could potentially make it more, you know, more fearless, which is pretty cool. But I have to say, one of the important things to note here is that all of this work is sort of correlational for the most part. Um, those 
those experiments in mice where they actually were transplanting microbes from one to the other, that's kind of the strongest evidence probably that, um, you know, these things affect behavior and whatnot. But a lot of the things, you know, when it comes to work in humans, they're all sort of correlational. So you take people that are, you know, a certain way, they're depressed or they have a certain mental condition and you look at their, uh, their gut microbes versus another and, find common traits. Well, we don't know that these are causative. And so that's an important thing to, to note here that we have to be careful about attributing too much to it at this point. To get back to sort of what the psychobiotic is, it's a very similar thing that we're putting in our bodies as, as a probiotic, right? It's still a strain of bacteria. Just ha- it, We just think it, it has a different effect. We, it may have a different effect when, when we swallow it. It all comes down to the gut-brain axis, which is kind of this cool thing. So it turns out, so your gut has this enteric nervous system. So you have all sorts of neurons inside uh, your, your gut and your intestinal tract. And then there is this thing called the vagus nerve, which seems to be sort of the super highway of this gut brain axis. Um, and so this is the way that your gut and your, your brain communicate with one another. And they've done some pretty interesting experiments in, in animals and mice where they will do these sort of transplant things where they will give them certain gut microbes that will, will normally affect their behavior. And if they cut the vagus nerve, it no longer has an effect. So it's very clear that some sort of communication is going on via the vagus nerve. So that's kind of cool. And the other interesting thing is that some of these microbes can actually produce neurotransmitters. And so they seem to be actually, you know, creating signals through the, the neural system. So it's it's not just, you know, some sort of squishy thing. It, it's really, you know, th- there's science to kind of show how this would work and sort of mechanistic explanations and evidence here. And so how many years out, for example, are we before we'd have... I guess on either psycho or probiotics, before we had real evidence that suggested that, that, that they might work. Chrissy, what about for psychobiotics? Well, I think that's a dangerous question. And I would, <laughs> I will never, like, and I think as a journalist, when someone tells me, oh, you know, it's always five years away, right? You know, every, how many times have there been cancer cures that are five years out? Um, you know, it, it may be that within five or 10 years, we'll have some really good evidence. There's already some interesting evidence coming out. Um, one of the researchers I spoke with, Ted Dynan, just completed a, a study in humans where they were finding that some psychobiotics that they were testing, which are not yet commercially available, I'll add, but that they seem to soothe anxiety in people. So that, that's kind of interesting. So, you know, we're not, we're not you know, so far off where this is just completely hypothetical, but I think in terms of really saying, okay, what can you do about it? So it's kind of this, this jump between being able to say, we know there's something going on here. There's some really cool communication going on between your guts and your brain to then say, okay, so you have this condition or you want to, you know, feel a certain way. And so here's the way to facilitate that. That's what we don't know. We, we don't know yet, you know, how to really make use of this in a practical way. And, and Katie, is a, does a similar answer apply to probiotics, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, the research in, in people um, is, is farther along than, uh, than what Christy was saying about psychobiotics. I mean, there, you know, there have been reviews of evidence and there is some evidence that, you know, kind of just looking at some common digestive 
of ailments, for example, that there's some but kind of conflicting evidence that you can use uh, probiotics to prevent the the diarrhea that's associated with taking certain types of antibiotics, which, um, you know, is very unpleasant, can be dangerous if a certain type of bacteria grows out of control. There are, you know, there are some studies that show evidence But yet there are other studies that aren't, and it seems like, yes, maybe, but we're not sure. There's also some kind of limited evidence that that probiotics can can help with infectious diarrhea by by shortening the duration by about a day, and also with irritable bowel syndrome. So all kind of common um, digestive ailments. I think when you get into the more, you, you know, the more the stuff that's that's kind of further from the gut, you know, some of the stuff you mentioned uh, earlier on, you know, dental problems, allergic disorders, high cholesterol, that stuff is, is further out, if, if at all. I, I think, you know, the problem with this is even when you find, when you see kind of a signal that, that a certain strain of bacteria seems to be helpful, um, you still need to figure out, okay, is this the best strain? Is there another strain? How much do we need to make it work? How long do you need to take it? And which groups of people are most likely to see a benefit, which may depend on what's already in their gut. We'll get back to my conversation with Katie and Christy in a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. What's the Point is brought to you by the Black Tux. The problem with wearing a rental tuxedo is that it looks like a rental tuxedo. And everybody knows it. What if there was a way to get quality crafted Italian wool suits and tuxedos rented to you online? The Black Tux was created for people who need to rent a tux or suit for a special event, but who also think that they deserve quality threads and a hassle-free experience. To get started, visit theblacktux.com. Prices start at just $95. The Black Tux designs and manufactures these quality crafted Italian wool suits and tuxedos and makes sure the fit is perfect for you. After you've ordered, your suit will arrive seven days before your event, which leaves plenty of time to try it on. If the fit needs a tweak, the Black Tux will do whatever it takes to fix it in time. When your event is over, just ship your tux back in the box it came from for free. It's that easy. The Black Tux is a new way to rent a suit or tux for a wedding, special event, or whatever it is that you need a tux for. Visit theblacktux.com slash point as in what's the point. For full details, that's theblacktux.com slash point. Why is it that the market, the, the, the probiotic market, and if psychobiotics ever made it to market, are so unregulated? Is that a legacy of the way that we regulate um, drugs and, and supplements in this country? I think it is a legacy. You know, there have been calls to change the way the FDA looks at and regulates probiotics. So far, that has not happened. But right now, they're kind of stuck into the category as dietary supplements or foods, which is why you see the same kind of you know, set of claims on probiotic labels as you do on other supplements, you know, on the shelf, you know, um, boosts immune health or supports digestive health, these kind of claims that the FDA permits, but that don't really tell you exactly what they're supposed to do. And Chrissy, are there any psychobiotics on the market at the moment? That's a great question. I I don't have a definitive answer. I mean, so 
psychobiotics are basically probiotics that are dealing with the mental health aspect. Um, so there are certainly probiotics that are on the market that may have some of these effects. Um, my understanding, I don't know of any that have been you know, definitively proven at this point to have those benefits. And there, there's nothing I can tell you, you know, Chad, if you're feeling sad, here's what you do. You eat this type of yogurt or take this um, probiotic pill. We're, we're not at that point yet. And Katie, as part of your piece at, at 538, as part of the Gut Science Week, um, a 538 staffer, Leela Bresco, did some analysis of the cost of probiotics. And I mean, the, the, the range in cost was, was really shocking to me. It was, depending on how many, how you obey the dosage uh, suggestions, and that can be anywhere from one pill to four pills a day, for example. I mean, it can cost you anywhere between $50 and I think $1,300 on average for, for various different brands of probiotics. And is it just me or given that we don't know whether they work, it would be crazy to buy the more expensive ones? You know, I don't know if it would be crazy. I I talked to some gastroenterologists who were kind of cautiously optimistic about probiotics and said that they recommended them, um, you know, a lot for for people who are about to begin a course of antibiotics, that this might be a certain, you know, for certain types of antibiotics known to cause diarrhea, this might be a thing that's like, you know, if you can afford the 20 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever it costs, why not? It's probably not going to hurt unless you, you know, have some um, immune dysfunction or, or some other chronic problem that, you know, where you're probably questioning everything you, you put in your body. But in generally, they generally they seem pretty safe. Just kind of a question of why not? I mean, I have to say I had strep throat about a month ago and I went into the urgent care and got my culture and I was talking to the doctor and um, I said, you know, I had this before and I took some probiotics just to be sure. And is that a good idea? And he said, yeah, I was going to tell you to do that. You know, why not? Might help probably won't hurt. And so on that kind of equation, um, you know, in that situation, I figured, why not? You know, if I had a serious ailment, would I try probiotics in expectation of a, of a cure? You know, no. But if I saw some evidence that there were some studies that for maybe my, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, this might help. I, it's something that I would certainly bring up with a doctor. And then I would try to get brand recommendations from, doctors because you know as with all supplements they're they're not as tightly regulated as drugs so you you're kind of taking it a little bit on faith and kind of um you know less stringent uh monitoring that what is on the label is actually reflects what's in the bottle and i think you know the best way to deal with that now is to ask a doctor what brands they recommend that they've dealt with that they've seen used in research that patients have given them good anecdotal feedback on i think that's about the best you can do now you know you also want to make sure that these things are alive when they get into you. And so you want to be sure that they are alive and that you know, that requires proper storage before they get into you. Um, so doctors told me, you know, if you are going to take one of these, you know, again, ask for a good brand and look for something where the pills are stored in individual um, little capsules. And then you just have to kind of take it on faith that along the supply chain, it's been stored in the proper manner so that, you know, it hasn't been too hot. And again, I think, you know, buying it at a reputable store and a reputable brand is kind of the best way you can hedge your bets on that. So I, I want to I wrap up by, by sort of asking about why this is a gut science moment. I'm curious, you guys have both reported on, on various aspects of gut science. And I'm wondering if you have any insight about that, because it does seem to me like this is a, a hot area of science to be setting right now. It- 
to me, it sort of goes back to it, it feels as though biology in particular has had these moments where in biology and particularly in human health, we're studying an extremely complex system. You know, it's it's really our bodies have so many different things going on and, and they're, they're just extremely complex systems. And so we had, you know, it was 20, 25 years ago, we had this idea that the Human Genome Project was just going to explain everything. And once we sort of had our genetic code, we would understand so much more. And, you know, so we went and we, we did the Genome Project and we learned a lot, but we still, you know, we didn't cure cancer. We didn't do all these things that we sort of had grand hopes for, didn't quite pan out. And then it was like, well, okay, so now it must be epigenetics, you know, so the genetics, you know, the genome wasn't quite everything, but once we have the epigenome, then then we'll understand things. And of course, you know, it's almost like repeating itself. It's just this idea that when we have something new that sort of expands, it's, it's almost like we're opening a curtain into this other way of looking at this very complex system. And so we, we sort of get excited and we have this feeling of like, oh, so this is why the other stuff wasn't like bringing everything together. And this is why there were still things that were unexplained. And so if we can just understand this part, like now everything will come together. And I, I feel like that's kind of what's happening here is is that the the microbiome is, is so fascinating. And it's, it's almost this sort of like um, heretofore invisible complex system that is sort of governing so many things about us. And so it's kind of like, oh my gosh, there's this new universe. And once we map it, we'll know everything. And again, we'll probably be disappointed if that's the the mindset that we go in with. At the same time, it is really cool. And we are learning a lot. And we will learn a lot in the coming years. So it's an exciting time. But it's I think it's just sort of a sign of our hyper enthusiasm for new things. Yeah, I would totally agree with Christy. You know, I remember the first time I, I read an article somewhere about the idea of, of taking the gut bacteria from a fat mouse and putting it in a skinny mouse and making it fat that I, I felt like my head exploded. Like I just thought this is the coolest thing. And I think what, how Christy talks about kind of the real like scientific interest in this is absolutely true. And then, you know, my more cynical side also thinks that with things like weight loss and chronic diseases, that a lot of people are also kind of looking for the silver bullet explanation, which kind of goes to what you, you were talking about, you know, um, Oh, it's my microbiome, you know, so now I can take a probiotic and I don't have to worry about being obese or I can take a probiotic and fix this problem that I could fix through other means, but you know, it's, it's too much trouble. And so I think it's this combination of interest and a lot being of news coming out every day about what's in the microbiome and increase in knowledge and also the kind of secret hope that someone's going to figure out something that's really straightforward and easy um, with kind of clean edges on on how to cure your ills. And I'm kind of really enthusiastic about the first part about learning more about science and much more skeptical about the second part that this thing is going to explain It's going to be the grand unified theory of of human disease. Okay, listeners, you can read Katie Hobson's work on probiotics at 538 as part of our Gut Science Week. You can read Chrissy Schwanden's work on psychobiotics as part of Gut Science Week at 538.com. Katie and Chrissy, thanks so much for coming on What's the Point? Thanks a lot, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Happy Gut Week. All right, that will do it for this week's show. You can find more about Gut Science Week at 538.com slash gut hyphen science, as in Gut Science Week. My name is Chadwick Matlin. I am filling in for Jody Avergan, who will be back with us soon, depending on you know how, how alluring he is to the prosecutor and, and the defense attorney. 
Jonathan Yales helped produce this episode, and we have studio help from Christine Laskowski and Ryan Nantel. Joel Werner helped mix and produce this episode. Our music is by Harishikesh Hirway, host of the Song Exploder podcast. Be sure to subscribe to What's the Point in iTunes or your favorite podcast client, and give us a rating and a review while you're there. Say how much you miss Jody. Give him five stars. He's eager for him. It really does help others discover the show when you do so. If you have any comments or suggestions, email us at podcasts at 538.com. Thanks for listening. See you soon.